all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning, Mississippi, and welcome to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we are talking about blood pressure and how diet can affect that. Did you know that one in three adults in the United States have high blood pressure and only 50% of those have it under control? We're going to help you today talking ways that diet can help you get control of that blood pressure. If you want to join in our conversation, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or send us an email at fit at And we'll be back after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Minneapolis police are facing public outrage after one of the officers who responded to a 911 call for a possible assault Saturday night fatally shot an Australian woman. Justine Damon's stepson, Zach, told the Minneapolis Star Tribune it was his stepmother who made that call after hearing a disturbance in the alley outside her home. Those in mourning today are further infuriated after learning that the body cameras the responding officers wore were turned off, making it even more difficult to learn why Damon was shot. Rescuers are still searching for a 13-year-old boy who, along with other members of his family, were swept away by a torrent of water in Arizona's Tonto National Forest. They were enjoying a summer's day at a swimming hole when a storm unleashed a flash flood. The waters were as high as six feet. The bodies of five children and four adults were recovered. The Republican leadership's hopes for putting its health care bill to a vote in the Senate this week are now on hold. NPR Scott Detrow reports on what's behind the delay to move forward with legislation that repeals and replaces key portions of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. With two Republicans already on record against the health care bill, the GOP doesn't have any room for error. Arizona Senator John McCain is now recovering from surgery, removing a blood clot from his head and won't be in Washington this week. Without McCain, Republicans don't have enough votes to advance the measure. So Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says they'll wait for McCain to return before holding a key procedural vote. But the bill's future is still in doubt. Several Republican lawmakers, like Dean Heller of Nevada, haven't said whether or not they'll vote for it. A single additional no could kill the bill, regardless of when McCain returns. Scott Detrow, NPR News. Days after Baghdad declared its forces were in full control of Mosul, there are still reports of sporadic fighting. Over the weekend, NPR's Jana Raff was in the Iraqi city, where, as she reports, the city's very much on edge. The old section of the city west of the river is where ISIS fought the hardest. Walking around the old city on Sunday, there were still airstrikes going on and mortars being launched. Iraqi security forces backed by the U.S. are still battling ISIS fighters in a neighborhood near the river. 
After a lot of reporting about how devastated the fighting has left that part of the city, the Iraqi army has now banned journalists from going there. Civil defense workers are still recovering dozens of bodies every day of civilians buried under the rubble of collapsed houses. Security forces say they need to clear the neighborhoods of explosives before civilians can even go back to assess the damage. Jane Arath, NPR News in northern Iraq. U.S. stocks are trading higher with the Dow up 7 points at 21,645. The Nasdaq is up 1, S&P also up a fraction. This is NPR News. The United Nations is out with a startling revelation. A record number of civilians killed in the first six months of this year. 1,662 people in Afghanistan who lost their lives between January and July. The U.N. report further notes that 40 percent of the civilians were killed by suicide bombers or other deliberate explosions. And compared with last year, more women and children were among the victims. Oscar-winning actor Martin Landau has died at the age of 89. NPR's Rose Friedman reports Landau was known as a character actor with a wide range. She has this appreciation. Martin Landau once described himself to WHYY's Fresh Air. Very, very lean and kind of stark looking. He said that mattered in Hollywood. I wound up playing many, many bad guys in movies as a result of my looks. He played an evil spy in Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest and a good one on the TV show Mission Impossible. It wasn't until he turned 60 that he started getting roles he'd earned nominations for in Francis Ford Coppola's Tucker and Woody Allen's Crimes and Misdemeanors. Then, in 1994, he played an aging Bella Lugosi in Tim Burton's Ed Wood. And finally won his Oscar. Pull the string! Pull the string! Rose Friedman, NPR News. The Vatican is putting two former hospital executives on trial starting tomorrow for allegedly misappropriating funds. The former president and ex-treasurer of the Bambino Gesù Pediatric Hospital are accused of diverting millions of euros in hospital donations to pay for renovations at the retirement home of a cardinal. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News in Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Fidelity Investments, taking a personal, dedicated approach to wealth planning to help clients build, grow, and preserve their family's wealth. Learn more at fidelity.com wealth. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we are talking all about high blood pressure and the ways we can use what we're eating to help make that better or prevent it altogether. And my guest today is Brittany Simmons. She's a registered dietitian at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi, and she is joining us all the way from Long Beach, Mississippi. Good morning, Brittany. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, thanks for being on the show. What's it like down in Long Beach today? Um, Partly cloudy, but beautiful. Of course, uh, very, very humid. Oh, yes. But 
When you get towards the beach, though, it has an awesome breeze. Totally worth it. Yeah, and there's something about the water that just is so relaxing, and it's that's great for your blood pressure to just chill out and relax a little bit. But, Brittany, tell us a little bit about what it is you do um, for Blue Cross Blue Shield. Well, I have quite a few roles, but recently I moved down to the coast to take on a new pilot program that Blue Cross is working on to try to help prevent chronic disease before it even happens. And we're trying to get people to go to the doctor for their annual wellness visit. So I'm stationed in a clinic in Biloxi at North Bay Family Medical, working with the doctors there and nurse practitioners and talking to patients when they're there for not only their wellness visit, but sometimes I'll pop in and surprise them when they're there for another med refill. Right. Um, And I talked to them about lifestyle change. So it's been really fun and interesting. And I think the patients are enjoying it. We've seen great outcomes so far. That's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that. And I'll talk a little bit about why I'm I'm definitely on that train with you in just a second. But I do want to push our number out because we've got some open phone lines. And we would love to talk with you guys today about lifestyle prevention and how it can be used to treat high blood pressure and diabetes and all of those different types of things. But in particular, we're talking about the DASH diet today. That's dietary approaches to stopping hypertension. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. So I'm right with you, Brittany, with the prevention. You know, I, uh, run a family medicine clinic here in Jackson. And I mean, the number one diagnosis that we have in clinic is high blood pressure. About 40% of our patients have high blood pressure and it's, it's not good high blood pressure. It's very uncontrolled uh, high blood pressure and it, you know, we can fix it, but it takes so much more uh, effort to kind of fix it on the back end when you've already got high blood pressure and we're having to use multiple medications for that. It's much easier to kind of start on the front end and develop healthy lifestyles along the way. And I know you agree with that. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head when you said multiple medications. You know, people just want to fix things with medications and have a quick fix. And that's fine for a little bit. But, you know, eventually you get frustrated because either you can't help the patient lower their blood pressure or the patient's frustrated because what you're giving them isn't working. But they haven't tried any type of lifestyle change. So this diet was created to help out with that, and it's backed by lots of research. It's been uh, developed for quite a while now. Um, So we're just trying to help people get in uh, healthier foods to start to really change their blood pressure and get that under control. Yeah, you know, food really, you know, I consider food medicine as well, you know, and if I had it my way, I would have a prescription pad that I could write prescriptions for, uh, you know, fruits and vegetables on it and see how that went. But unfortunately, that's not getting reimbursed right now. <laughs> you can't go to the pharmacy and pick up some fruits and vegetables. But it, you know, as a provider, it can get very frustrating when you're trying so desperately to help people, you know, get control of their blood pressure, but you're running out of medicines to use for that. And we've really got to stop and think, you know, what can we change lifestyle-wise? that will help these individuals get better control of their blood pressure or better control of their blood sugar or cholesterol, any of those, because they really all go hand in hand. You know, blood pressure and sugar and cholesterol all go hand in hand with that. Um, Just a little bit about blood pressure. You know, when we say high blood pressure, 
you know, technically that means a blood pressure of greater than um, 140 over 90, and that's systolic on the top and diastolic on the bottom. And we can talk a little bit about, about what those numbers mean and the way I like to tell people to think about those numbers. Um, but optimal blood pressure is less than 120 over 80. So we have this whole chunk of folks that are running higher than 120 on their top number, um, but not quite up to 140. And so what do we do with them? Well, they're what we call pre-hypertension or pre-high blood pressure. And I don't know about you, but this is where I love to find folks um, because we can really do some effective lifestyle uh, teaching right here. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And it's the same for diabetes as well. Once we get that pre-diabetes or pre-hypertension, we can catch them before the disease is done or, you know, more right. damage is done. Right. And you mentioned damage. And the reason we're really harping on trying to catch folks early is because, you know, high blood pressure in, in general, you don't feel bad with high blood pressure. And that's why it's called a silent killer. So you don't feel bad. So you may not even know that you have it or you may not understand why you need to control it. And but it's doing damage. You know, that high pressure over time is putting pressure on all your body systems and all your organs and your kidneys. And at some point in time, those other body systems are kind of going to peter out and kind of give up the fight a little bit. And that makes it so much harder on our end when it comes to medications and trying to find out what we can do that will work for you when you've had it for so long. So we're really trying to catch those folks in that early prehypertension phase and get them, get them back on the right track to, to making good choices. And we do have a call from Jack. Good morning, Jack. Uh, this is Jack in Benton. In Benton? Uh, I have, uh, <clears throat> I've had a problem with uh, uh, high blood pressure. Uh, I'm uh, 69 and I've had uh, some uh, heart surgery, but I'm on a, I'm on medication, and I uh, try to watch my weight. Mm-hmm. But what's fr- frustrating to me is uh, I go to my doctor, and I get one reading. I go to Rite Aid, I get another reading. I go to another doctor, I get another reading. I got a blood pressure machine myself. I get another reading, and and then when I'm at the doctor's office, I figure I'd get a more accurate reading, you know, if I, you know, it might be cold, but, uh, you know, I ask them, do, do I need to take the sweater off? But right. they say no, and mm. and I always try to roll my sleeve up. Right. And uh, it's frustrating that I get different readings. So uh, is there any... Is there any solution? I know maybe at Rite Aid, I, I, <clears throat> maybe they don't adjust to the machine, but right. it seems like it gives me not a very good reading and, and I always get a, a, a better reading at my doctor's office. Right. And you are not alone. So blood pressure measurement is something that um, can have a great deal of variability depending on the skill of the person taking it and the type of equipment that's used. And so this is a complaint that we see a lot. You know, folks will come in to see us and we'll take their pressure and they'll say, well, you know, I just took it, you know, down the street at, you know, Rite Aid, Walgreens, somewhere like that. And, uh, you know, it was much better than it is in here. We see that a lot because people get nervous One when they come into the um, the clinic. That's called white coat hypertension. So I just say I don't wear a white coat, so you don't need to be scared of me. But it, it's a real thing out there um, that happens. But what I see most often is incorrect measurement of blood pressure. And so ideally, when we do an ideal perfect blood pressure measurement, 
You need to have nothing on that arm. So, you know, not rolling up a sleeve or pushing up a sweater and certainly not taking it over the clothes, but actually slipping the arm out of whatever uh, garment you have on. And then the most important part is that you are quiet and rest for five minutes before the blood pressure is taken. Now, most clinics are relatively busy, and so they bring folks in and plop them down and take their blood pressure. But for a truly accurate blood pressure reading, you need five minutes of rest, and that's quiet um, with your feet flat on the floor and your back resting against a chair and good support, your arm at heart level. So resting on a table, not hanging high up in the air or dangling down low. And the right size cuff. So if a cuff is used that's too small, that will cause a falsely high blood pressure. And if a cuff is used that's too big, that will cause a falsely low blood pressure. And we usually also recommend that blood pressure is repeated again, um, one to two minutes apart, and look at kind of the average of those blood pressures to see what your actual blood pressure is at that time. So, you know, before you uh, can truly say what your blood pressure is, those things need to happen. And you can certainly ask for those things. You know, I just ran in from the parking lot. Can I sit for a minute before we take that blood pressure? Okay. Uh, What about salt? Uh, I guess salt is uh, a no-no when it comes to blood pressure, right? Well, we have to have some salt. You know, sodium is an important electrolyte for um, a variety of metabolic processes that we have. And I'm going to let Brittany kind of chime in and help me with this a little bit as well. But we do want to watch our sodium intake when we have, well, really everyone, but in particular when we have high blood pressure. Brittany, can you help us out with the sodium talk? Absolutely. So I know salt is um, some people's craving. Some people crave chocolate and other people crave chips. You're either a sweet person or a salty person, typically. Or you're me and you Um, like them both. (laughs) (laughs) Then that's a big problem. Yes. Uh, So the foods that typically have a lot of salt in them are the canned foods, the snack foods such as chips, and then the processed meat. So I would never tell you to cut out any of your favorite foods. Life is far too short to never, ever have bacon if you absolutely love bacon. But the problem with salt is it is the number one preservative in everything. And we know it's directly um, related to high blood pressure. So uh, you mentioned getting multiple readings. So if you have had some salty foods for breakfast or, uh, you know, a lot of salt. Maybe you had it in a soda. There's actually salt in Coke or Pepsi. And so that could actually increase your blood pressure. As well as caffeine. So, you know, Mm -hmm. usually we recommend that you've not had anything to like any caffeine or have smoked, you know, within 15 to 30 minutes of having your blood pressure checked uh, because that will affect the reading as well. Now, salt, you know, when you look at guidelines for salt, it says 2,300 milligrams of sodium. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't walk around thinking about um, sodium in terms of of milligrams. Like if I told somebody, you can only have 2,300 milligrams of sodium a day, they're thinking, what the heck is that? You know, how much is 2,300 milligrams? Well, it's a teaspoon is what 2,300 milligrams is, which is not an incredibly large amount of salt. Um, If someone already has high blood pressure or kidney issues, diabetes, 
then the recommendation is actually even a little bit lower at 1,500 milligrams, which is about two-thirds of a teaspoon. Now, those guidelines are a little hard for a lot of folks to um, achieve and obtain because it's a, it's a pretty good restriction on salt. But just like Brittany mentioned, the highest salt content foods are those packaged um foods and those um, preserved meats, luncheon meats, that kind of thing. And so when we look at the data out there, you know, we used to think um, the salt shaker on your table was evil and not to salt your food when it came to the table. But now we know that, you know, 70 to 80 percent of the salt that we consume as Americans is coming from a packaged item. It's not coming from the salt that we use to cook our food or the salt that we're adding at the table. So if we can just get back to cooking uh, and using products that are less processed over time, that's kind of built in salt control there. Do you agree with that, Brittany? Yes, that's actually one of the number one barriers uh, that I hear in the clinic is that I just don't have time to cook. You know, I often pick up fast food or call in and order pizza and all of those foods are so high in salt. They they have to add salt to make it taste good, make you want to come back again, right? Right. So, so you know, getting back into the kitchen, actually using your kitchen um, instead of just having it as decoration in your house can definitely help out with your blood pressure. So, Jack, I hope those things helped you today. And if you want some more information about low-sodium diets or how to um, kind of make that work with your lifestyle, I'll be happy to push it out to you. Just send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to pick back up and finish talking about salt and food additives. If you'd like to join the conversation, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 We'll be back after the break. Just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. Ever hear a news story about business or the economy and go, man, why do I care? Yeah, not on Marketplace. We've seen stocks go wild. Customer has gotten really impatient. Okay, first of all, we're talking about awards, Kai. I'm Kai Rizdal. It's the business news of the day. For the rest of us, it's next time on Marketplace from APN. Tonight at 6 on MPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPV Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org.
You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and my guest today is Brittany Simmons, registered dietitian with Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. And we are tackling the topic of high blood pressure today and how diet can help you control it. If you want to weigh in on that issue, we do have some open phone lines. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Now, before we went to the break, we were talking about salt, and we had a great caller who asked if salt was just off limits when it comes to to blood pressure, and we began our conversation about how we just want to uh, pay attention to our salt and really try and uh, cook more foods at home and eat less processed foods. And I had an email comment this morning that asked about food additives and what, um, you know, what is it about food additives and preservatives that can have an effect on blood pressure? Uh, Can you help us out with that, Brittany? Well, food additives and preservatives are typically going to come in any packaged foods. They aren't going to be in the whole fresh foods. You know, everything in the first section you come into, every grocery store, the produce section, either it's on the left or it's on the right, all of those foods in that section aren't going to have any preservatives or any additives, which are all excellent for blood pressure. The number one preservative is sodium. And unfortunately, like we were talking about earlier, the sodium that comes in a package is much harmful, much more harmful to your blood pressure versus table salt. Right. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of label reading. You know, flip that label over and take a look at it. You know, food companies are very um, good at making bright, shiny, pretty packages with um, different claims on them that, you know, will say, you know, this is great for, you know, your weight or this is great for cholesterol. But really flip it over and take a look at it and make sure that everything that that food says it is, it is true. And so when you're looking at that label, if something says sodium nitrite in the ingredient list, that's a preservative. Sulfites is another one. And I see sulfites a lot in um, uh, processed meats. You'll see that kind of thing. Trans fat used to be one that we would see a lot, but of course now that's been kind of banned out there. So trans fat is being removed out of a lot of things. But um uh, phosphate is also a type of preservative that you may see used in some uh, some of your packaged products. And really more research is coming on board with that, that that's got a, a pretty significant effect on the kidneys, on bone health overall, and ultimately on blood pressure. So, you know, shopping the perimeter of that store, which is what you're talking about, is kind of the easiest way to stay away from, from the packaged foods. Well, it used to be. Well, yeah, now they hide stuff in there now, too. I agree. You know, you can be in the produce section now, and there is a stand with a box of donuts on it. Yes. Or, oops, we bake too much food. <laughs> yes, yes, the oops. over bread or, you know, muffins on there. So don't go to the grocery store hungry. That's when we set ourselves up for failure. Yeah, even when you're shopping healthy. I mean, if you go to the store when you're hungry, I mean, I will buy some of all of it. Just all the things, you know, and the buggy looks great when I get there. It's all kinds of fruits and vegetables. But, you know, the deal with fruits and veggies is they don't have an incredibly long shelf life. So you wind up kind of throwing half of those away and then you get frustrated and you go back to buying packaged things that are going to have a longer shelf life. So don't go hungry and go with a plan and a list, you know, and whenever I see, oops, we bake too much, I think, oops, you're not getting me today. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to fall for that. I'm just going to walk away. 
And that's really kind of what we have to do is just ignore those types of things. So we've got a couple callers on the line. We're going to go talk to uh, Roger in Florence. Good morning, Roger. Well, good morning. Thank you for what you do, and you do it very well. I well, thank you. I appreciate your comments and your encouragement of people cooking. And I've got to put in a plug uh, for a, a project that Jeff Good is behind, and you know Jeff. I do know Jeff. Tour, and you need to call him for details if you don't already know about this. And uh, several people, a bunch of people, have helped uh, contribute a little bit to uh, so they could borrow money to to get these projects going. Mm-hmm. There's an educational project. I can't call the name of it, but the big idea that I'm fond of is <clears throat> creating uh, a whole new uh, <clears throat> system of farmers' markets <clears throat> all over so that farmers really can grow, and little farmers and big farmers, and get their crops to locations so that Mississippians can eat Mississippi-grown food. Right. We import food to Mississippi. Right. Jeff knows this from his restaurant experience. The, the, you go to the grocery stores, where the stuff comes from. It doesn't come from Mississippi. A lot of it does not come from Mississippi. So mm-hmm. please, when you get a chance on this program or other programs, get the right names. I apologize. Up in Farms is the name of their program, Up in Farms Food Hub. Uh, yes, uh, Jeff Good and David Watkins, and um, yeah. yeah, I work with them, and they're great guys, and they really are working to help all of Mississippians be able to go into the grocery store and see fresh, locally grown um, produce there for us to use and to help our farmers be able to get their wonderful products out into the grocery stores for all of us to be able to use and see. And so I'd love to see that. You know, they've got their farm pack boxes um, out as well now. And, you know, the way they've got it set up now is it's a weekly uh, subscription for their food uh, farm packs. It's kind of like one of those food delivery services, but with fresh fruits and vegetables. So it's a really good option. And to, to, you know, try out the local flavors because Mississippi has amazing farmers, amazing produce out there that tastes delicious. You don't need extra salt and preservatives on top of it because it's so delicious. That's right. And that's what I wanted you to do. Wonderfully done. Thank you. For that. <laughs> now, my comment is you spoke about uh, uh, processed food right. that most people buy. And you might as well call fast food processed food. Absolutely. It's coming in processed and then delivered at the local uh, fast food outlet, but they're all made somewhere else and processed, uh, generally speaking. But but let's not forget restaurants. And I don't know what Jeff would say about this, but <laughs> I know that I've been to many restaurants, good ones and mediocre ones, and gotten servings of food that I could tell were over-salted, okay? Mm-hmm. So... Here's my suggestion for your listeners that when they go out to eat, think about the salt. Now, there's a salt shaker sitting over there, and you see a lot of people, they put the food down in front of them, and they grab the salt shaker, and they add salt. That's a terrible habit. But but taste the food, and if you think that it's over-salted, please don't fail to tell the server. So please tell the cook that I think your, you know, your greens were had too much salt. Maybe we'll make a dent eventually if enough people make these comments on uh, on what basically processed food that you get in a restaurant. It's not fair to the restaurateurs to call it processed, but but it's the same thing, same salt. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for your comment. Brittany, do you have any tips for eating out and staying healthy? <laughs> Absolutely. 
And, you know, the back to the farmer's market, uh, I mean, Jeff Good's program, I heard about it a little while back, but I didn't know all the details. But, I mean, it is awesome, you know, that we're trying to get local foods out to people. The problem is they don't know what to do with it. Right. You know, you can go to the farmer's market and find beautiful local foods that are so healthy for you. But, you know, if you don't take the time to get in the kitchen, like you said, it will perish. It will go bad. And so that's very frustrating and it makes you not want to do it again. So I think people have to, you know, just start playing around in the kitchen, look up recipes online. You know, you don't have to buy a cookbook anymore, even though I like that. I love paper. I love, I just bought one the other day. I just love to sit and flip through it. It's so relaxing and I may never even cook anything from it, but I get ideas from it. And it's just pretty. It is. It is very pretty. And, you know, I totally agree with you. You know, a lot of the, the, um, Food, healthy food is perceived as being expensive. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you go to the grocery store, you're on a budget and you've got, you know, a large family to feed, you know, picking, um, you know, an eggplant or a butternut squash or something like that off the shelf that you don't know how to fix and you're not sure if your family's going to enjoy it. That's a tough sell when you know they'll eat the box of Hamburger Helper. You know, it's 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 real and that's what people are dealing with. And so that's, you know, one of the things that we do. We have a little community kitchen that we have here in Jackson where we bring folks in and we teach them how to use those products kind of on on my dime you know on my grant's dime and and let them taste it and see how you know good it is and teach them how to cook with that and I'm actually coming down to uh, Biloxi in a couple weeks and I'm going to do that down there with a group of folks but it's all about getting in there and learning new ways to do that. We're going to go to Rhonda in Sumrall with question about veggies for diabetics. Good morning Rhonda thank you for holding. Hi, Rhonda. Thank you. I mean, this is Rhonda. Thank you for taking my You're call. You're welcome. I had a question about diabetes plus high blood pressure and just found out some kidney Okay. Um, what does a person do who can't afford to go and buy fresh fruits and vegetables? That is my problem. I went to the grocery store yesterday. I got maybe three fruits. Mm-hmm. I mean, not packages individually because mm-hmm. I only have access to one grocery store and it was fifteen dollars. That was for my snack and the, and I don't I don't qualify for any other kind of help. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's a real issue also. It is absolutely Brittany, do you have any tips for kinda how how we can help Miss Rhonda be able to get some absolutely. healthier foods? I do and I'm sorry, that is frustrating. And You know, like the other guy, Roger, said, you know, hopefully we can start to influence um, cooks and then also food manufacturing companies. You know, we want them to make us some healthier products that are affordable. So one thing that you could do is buy canned food. Now, if the, you know, canned food that is high in salt is, you know, what your budget allows, you can drain the juice off and then also rinse it. And that'll take off, you know, a good half amount of that sodium that you see on the food label. And, you know, canned items are very, very cheap. So I usually buy beans and corn uh, that are canned and I just drain and rinse them and cook them on my own. And I think it tastes better using, you know, taking off that juice. Um, And then also frozen vegetables are very healthy for you. If they're plain frozen vegetables, 
you can get a bag of them for a dollar. And if they're plain, it'll barely have any salt, if any at all. So plain frozen vegetables, you can get those cheap or canned vegetables and just drain and rinse it. And that's one of the biggest recommendations I would have versus buying fresh vegetables right now and trying to figure out how to use it. Uh, what about the uh, farmer's market you just spoke of? But could you repeat the name of that and where that is located? Well, Jeff Good's program is called Up in Farms. Um, and you can also, so you can just Google that and it'll take you directly hit to his website um, that has more information about that product and that, that program. And what they do is they help local farmers all across the state um, be able to get their um, produce into grocery stores. Um, one of the things that prevents sometimes farmers from being able to get the, their food is the lack of a refrigerated truck. So when, when produce is harvested, it has to be, of course, kept at certain temperatures in order for it to be be, um, you, you know, stable to transport uh, to multiple places. So uh, they actually have a refrigerated truck that they can use to go and help farmers do that and just help farmers plan um, crops. You know, we don't want, you know, one county growing, every farmer growing corn and nobody growing um you know, soybeans. We've got to kind of spread it out so that they're able to have a market for their um, produce. So it's called Up and Farms, and you can Google that and look at that. And he's got farm packs that he puts out through that with distribution sites all across the state. Um, and if you need more information about it, you can always email us at fit at mpbonline.org, and I'll be happy to send you some more information about that. Okay, thank you for your help. You're so welcome, Rhonda. And I love, uh, Brittany, you talking about buying frozen veggies and fruits. Those are one of the easiest ways to get inexpensive, healthy foods for you that are often uh, a little bit more nutrition nutritious than some of the foods that may not be in season that are out on the shelves. So we're going to go take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our talk about the DASH diet and what it means. And I want to pick Brittany's brain about fat. Is it good, bad, or evil? Or what's the story with fat? And we'll, we'll take those uh, questions related to that when we come back from the break you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Marshall Ramsey. There's nothing like sitting down with a good cup of coffee and having an interesting conversation with someone you admire. Our guest this week is MPB Executive Director Ronnie Agnew. I read a lot of newspapers every single day, and what I'm looking for is the substance. What I'm looking for is that underpinning of why there are very important issues in this country that need to be covered, and we need strong, solid journalism to make sure that they are. Sundays at 5.30 and Thursdays at 10 on MPB. 
to listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and my guest is Brittany Simmons, registered dietitian with Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. And we are talking all things high blood pressure and how what we eat really does have an impact on how well we're able to control that and our overall health overall. If you want to give us a call and with your comments, or maybe you have a success story about how you've used diet to change one of uh, your overall outlook on health or make a change related to blood pressure, we would love to talk with you. You can give us a call at one 672 Now, before we went to the break, we were talking about making healthy foods fit in with a, a budget, and that is a real problem. You know, we never want people to sacrifice um you know, their, uh, what they know their family is going to enjoy for something they may not enjoy. And I, I heard you say that at the beginning, Brittany, that, you know, you would never tell anybody to uh, not have their favorite food. And I am a big proponent of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, have a weakness, of course, I said at the beginning for sweet and salty, but, uh, you know, I love uh, desserts and I love cake. And, you know, to me, I've got to have a little bit of that in life because uh, it, it's what it's part of the fun part of life. But it's all about portion control and stopping with that little taste of cake um, or over having the whole cake, you know, hiding in the bathroom, which I have been known to do, especially when I was pregnant. I used to hide some brownies. I would bake them and then I would take them out, go in the bathroom and hide and eat them. And my husband would come home from work and he would say, I smell brownies. And I would say, it's a candle. You know, I told him that I had lit, that I had a new candle that, that was, you know, like chocolate flavored. And he I, he probably didn't really buy it, but he, he let me have that, um, that little part of my time right there. But, you know, portion control really is um, the, the key to this. And, you know, we've been talking about the DASH diet and we haven't really gotten to say exactly, um, you know, the big proponents of the DASH diet. So what are kind of the big parts of DASH diet? What makes it work? Well, first of all, I wish every patient was as honest as you are. (laughs) Just trying to keep it real. We just got to the root of what's causing blood pressure. So uh, the DASH diet, you had said, is the dietary approach to stop hypertension. But we have found out it also helps out with weight loss, lowering cholesterol, and also diabetes. It's just general healthy eating, honestly. And um, speaking of sweets, one of the recommendations in the DASH diet, thank goodness, it says four to five sweets per week. That's our limit. Now, it doesn't really give us portion size right. So what I usually say is to eat it slowly, savor it. You're having your sweet, you know, you're having your, your moment. Eat That's your moment. Slowly. Enjoy it, right? That's your happy food. Yes, right. Um, If you're eating chips, eat them slowly. And try not to be distracted while you're eating those foods because then you forget about it and you didn't enjoy it as much. Right. You've eaten your whole bag of chips. And 
and then you say, oh, I need more because I didn't even enjoy it. Right. I um, totally agree with that. That's why I recommend kind of pre pre-portioning things you know if you if your love is mm-hmm. chips you know and you've just got to have them and you buy them when you bring them home go ahead and kind of parcel them out into little ziploc bags and put them in the cabinet because i know once my tushy hits the couch mm-hmm. i don't i don't move a whole lot from that area once i plant my myself down there so if i grabbed a little bag of whatever my snack is going to be and i eat it all I have to stop and think, man, am I really going to get up and go back in there and get some more? And nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm not, um, you know, I'm just going to leave it be with that. But distracted eating is a big issue. You know, um, I love food. I mean, I love food. A lot of times people say, you just must hate food. No, I adore food, but I like to be present with my food and really think about what I'm eating and enjoy it. Because, you know, when you wolf down something so quick, you get to the end and you go, I don't even know what that tasted like. You know, it didn't, it didn't taste good to me today or, you know, I didn't get to savor it. So slow down. You are right. Have your moment. Yeah. And the Ziploc bags are another great way to budget. Um, Instead of buying the uh, big variety pack of the, you know, already pre-portioned snack bags that are like the 100 calories. Right. You can buy Ziploc bags that are 100 calories and look at the, look at the back of your big bag of chips. Buy the biggest bag, uh, which is usually going to be a cheaper amount. Right. Buy the store brand. Right. And look at the number of servings per container and then get out that many Ziploc bags and just distribute it, yep. you know, into all of those zip- Ziploc bags. And then only take one of those with you to the couch or one of right. those with you to lunch. And that's a great way to save money. Yeah, it is. All right, we've got a couple of calls. So we're going to go to Lavelle and uh, with a question about the ketogenic diet. Good morning. Good morning. Is this who I think it is? Yes, it is. This is one of my former nursing students. Good morning, sweetie. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What can we help you with today? I wanted to find out more about the ketogenic diet. Okay. Anything Um, in particular? Is it a healthy option? Because you're cutting out basically almost all carbs, except for fat-based carbs. But you're still cutting out a large amount of those fat-based carbs. Like, for instance, you can't eat potatoes, you can't eat carrots, and things such as such that you can only eat certain types of fruit, you can only eat berries. So I'm wondering, is a ketogenic diet a good option for someone trying to lose weight? All right. I, I certainly know my thoughts on the ketogenic diet, but I'm going to let Brittany weigh in on her professional nutrition thoughts on the ketogenic diet. Yeah. Well, first of all, you said it. It is just very restrictive. And so I hate restrictive diets. Uh, we talked about depriving yourself of the things that you enjoy, and that is the ketogenic diet is almost impossible to follow. And it was actually created for patients with seizures. It helps to treat seizures, the ketogenic diet, eating a very, very high-fat diet um, and a certain type of fat. Now, it is extremely hard to eat that much fat. It could be bad for your gallbladder. Um, If you don't eat the right types of fat, such as you're eating bacon and hamburgers, of course, without the bun, uh, you know, and steak, it could be bad for your cholesterol. 
Um, there's a lot of things that may not be good about it or aren't good about it, um, but it will promote weight loss because it's restrictive. Just like any other restrictive diet that's not a light, lifestyle change, it will promote weight loss just because you're probably not eating the things that you used to eat. Well, I'm so glad because that's my exact position on uh, the ketogenic diet or really any of the the fad diets out there. You know, that's why I almost wish the DASH diet wasn't called the DASH diet because I really don't like anything that ends in the word diet um, because it, it does imply that this is something that you can go on and go off of when in reality nutrition should be a, a lifestyle just like you mentioned it should be something a pattern an eating pattern that you adopt for the entirety of your your lifetime and so you know the ketogenic diet is very restrictive as you mentioned and what i find with folks is they get gung ho about something and they're very excited and they go you know full court with it and are able to do it for a while and you are going to lose weight but when you stop and think, you know, I'm, I'm 30. Am I going to eat this way for the rest of my life? Most folks are going to say, no, I'm not going to be able to sustain that type of, of diet for the rest of my life. And if they stop that, then they're going to regain the weight. And oftentimes a little, little extra weight comes back with it as well. And that's the problem with a lot of these fad diets. Is that kind of your thought on that as well? Yeah. And you know, I have read some good research on it. That's the hard part. Yeah. Is that it will correct some metabolic disorders, hormonal, um, you know, imbalances, but it's just not sustainable. For the know? average person, and, right. Right. And, you know, for those listeners that don't know what a ketogenic diet is, you have to eat about 70% of your calories from fat. And 30% is from protein. And then it's pretty much no carbohydrates. And you're trying to get your body into a state of ketosis, which is you're just playing around with your body's natural metabolism, its natural functions. And um, the whole um, idea and theory behind it is that you become a fat burner versus a sugar burner. And that's kind of a trendy thing in the, um, whole foods world and uh, going with coconut oil and stuff. Some of these products can be healthy, but I, I believe that the ketogenic diet takes it to an extreme and it's just not sustainable. It is just another fad diet right now. Yeah. All right. Quickly, I want to go talk to George in Texas about salt. Good morning, George. George. Hello? Hello. Hello. How are yes, you? Good. I'm what good. can we help you with? Yes, I'm sorry that I got a little bit late, but I did have a question about sure. fat. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry about salt. Lay it I'm on me. Salt, I'm a saltaholic. Okay. And, and back in the 60s, when I, well, when I was in my youth, about 61, 62, I used to work for um, a contractor, and it was suggested that we drink, keep ourselves hydrated, and take salt tablets. Then all of a sudden, salt became ugly. And uh, I was just wondering, what are the mechanics that make salt give you high blood pressure? And number two, uh, is salt stored in your body or is it water-soluble? 
All right. So salt, salt and water are good friends together. So usually wherever salt is, there's also water. So of course our bodies need salt. Our bodies need water. But when we have an increase in blood volume, which happens when we have a lot of salt and then have a lot of pull of water into our vascular system, that's simply more fluid in the same size container, right? Our blood vessels don't get um, necessarily bigger over time. So we've just got more volume inside that same container of our vasculature. And so that's more pressure. Just like if you overfilled a water balloon, um, it would stretch that balloon out and pop it. The same thing that can happen in our blood vessels. It just stretches those blood vessels and there's so much pressure in there. And why that's bad is, you know, your heart is a muscle. And so that top number on your heart that of the blood pressure, that systolic number is the pressure in your heart when your heart is contracting, when that muscle is is squeezing. That bottom number or the diastolic pressure is the pressure inside the heart when you're supposed to be taking a little relaxation. So the way I like to think about it is, you know, think about your um, least favorite exercise. For me, it's a wall sit. For some folks, it's uh, push-ups. If I told you you had to do a wall sit, go sit on that wall and stay in that position for your entire life, um, you would not be happy with me. But that's what we're asking our heart to do over time when we're making it work extra hard. It's like making our heart do a wall sit all the time because our heart is not getting able, not being able to relax. And over time, that builds up the thickness of the heart wall. And while it may be a good thing for your quad muscles to get super big and ripped up and tough, our heart muscle doesn't work that way. When it gets big and swollen, it doesn't pump effectively, which makes our kidneys not work as well. So that's how high blood pressure ties into all of those different things and how salt is a driver of that just by increasing the amount of, of volume inside of our blood vessels. Okay, I, that leads me to another question then. Mm-hmm. If you drink if you drink plenty of water, you're well hydrated, isn't that water metabolized? Well the water not in your butt not in your Right. So the water when we tell people to drink more water, you know, we're in normally functioning kidneys, that water is going to get processed out by the kidneys and you're going to urinate that out. Um, Brittany, I would love to hear your thoughts on how hydration impacts overall weight and blood pressure. Yeah, you asked a good question about Gatorade. And that's, you know, it was definitely created. It is a sports drink. Right. And so it was created for athletes who are sweating and you, they're still trying to work out. You were possibly, you know, working, doing um, construction, hands-on work, and so you're sweating and you have to keep going and using your muscles and your body is losing a lot of fluid. So drinking one um, eight-ounce Gatorade, you would want to drink more water on top of that to stay hydrated. If you drink too much Gatorade, it's a little bit too much salt, and so it can increase your blood pressure. It's a little bit too much um sodium, you know, water retention that'll be inside your cells. Um, And it could actually be dangerous drinking too much Gatorade. Uh, For someone that's just exercising, maybe you sweat a whole lot um, and you're not exercising longer than two hours, you can just drink water. You don't have to drink Gatorade. But of course, listen to your body. If you often cramp up, maybe your hands cramp or your legs cramp, sometimes Gatorade can help out with that. But don't feel like you have to do something called preloading where you would drink Gatorade 
you know, 64 ounces of Gatorade right. before you work out because that's definitely not recommended. You want to drink it as your body needs it. And, you know, it's got such an electrolyte load in it that it may actually make you be thirstier. You know, so make sure you're drinking plenty of water in with those sports drinks as well. Um, and, you know, the deal with thirst is thirst is often perceived as hunger. And so people think they're thirsty. I mean, people think they're hungry when they're really thirsty. So having an adequate hydration status is really important for overall weight control and health. Now, we're going to run out of time, so I want to get to our last caller, Sue in Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. I want to ask a quick question. Sure. I saw a segment on TV about uh, people on the raw foods diet, and mm-hmm. they all look gaunt and emaciated and unhealthy. So what is the fascination with the raw foods diet? Brittany, I'm going to turn that one to you. I have not heard of it. What is this? Raw, raw foods. Raw foods diet. Oh, they raw only, foods. Everything has to be raw. Oh, raw food. That is so weird. I don't know. (laughs) That is just another one of those weird things. Um, You know, I have a presentation I do sometimes, and um, it's about fad diets. And I go through a timeline, um, and the very first diet starting way, way back um, is a low-carb diet. And as you go throughout, you see just random diets. There was a cigarette diet. There was a whale blubber diet. There Yum. was a raw food diet. That sounds delicious. <laughs> raw food diet falls into one of those categories. I mean, I think the reason behind it is possibly you lose some nutrients when you cook your food. However, if you don't submerge your, say, greens, if you don't submerge them in water and leave the lid off, you're going to have all your nutrients in there. You know, you're still going to have plenty left to have plenty of nutrients. Um, Raw foods can definitely be dangerous. I think I remember you don't cook anything above 180 or, or what is it? You don't put your oven on above 180. I can't remember what it is. That just sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, pretty dangerous. Lots of bacteria. Um, I, I don't know where you're supposed to get your raw food either. Do you go to your local grocery store? And I don't know. You know, it's definitely, you know, I think all of these diets uh, that are out there, are attra- they're always going to be attractive to a certain set of people who are always looking for something new to try because they've failed so often with other diets. And I don't even like the word failed. You know, they, they just weren't able to maintain um, that type of diet for a long period of time. So if we'll just make little easy changes, there's no need to go with something so drastic as something where all your food has to be, you know, raw or it all has to be organic or, you know, it all has to be pure fat. You know, just little changes. You know, if you eat, you know, fried foods four times a week, if you'll just cut that back to two times a week, guess what? You made a better choice than you've been making and you will be healthier overall for that. And then, you know, add one vegetable in a day. You know, if you're a not a vegetable eater, you know, I know folks who don't like any vegetables, you know, try, try a different vegetable, add at least one in 
a day and see how that goes. But little changes are all about uh, how we make a healthy change overall. So thank you guys for listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. And thanks to my guest, Brittany Simmons, for joining us. If you'd like to know more about any of the topics we talked about today, you can email me at fit at mpbonline.org. And be sure to check out the full Southern Remedy lineup every day at 11 a.m. And I'll see you back next week on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit.